Hi, welcome to This Sober Life. It's a podcast with two 20-something girls trying to stay sober in a non-sober world. Um, my name's Alyssa. And I'm Faith. And sorry for the kind of gap. We've been just hit this year. It's been a busy friggin' two weeks. It really has. It hasn't even been two weeks. No. It's only the 10th today. Oh, God. Yeah. We're going to 2017. Die. Really, really starting off on the right foot. Yeah. I um, I had a friend over earlier this evening. Um, it's Tuesday evening right now. And so my friend was over and we were like storyboarding as I was trying to design a flyer. Uh, and then Obama's farewell speech came on. Oh, God. Still not over it. No. Just- he's just such an amazing person he's like a man in every sense of the word you know like I feel like a lot of boys and dipshits and fuck boys just walk all over the planet but like there are a few just actual men and he is like an actual man and he you know I had so much faith in him and felt safe with him and it just is heartbreaking. Yeah. To- um, I I think we were talking about earlier how we were both in college when he was elected president back in 2008. Uh, he was the first presidential candidate I had ever voted for. And he really set the tone for the next eight years just in our ideologies, how we viewed our government. It could have gone a completely different way, like had it been another president who had more conservative policies, especially he, Mitt Romney um, specifically. And who was the candidate in 2008? John McCain. Oh, John McCain. How did we forget John McCain? Because you want to forget John McCain. You know, one of the things that I really took away from Obama's speech tonight was that you have to be the change, that you have to get up and you have to get that Um, clipboard and you have to make things happen for yourself. And, you know, I'm at a job where I got a promotion and that's awesome. But, you know, I'm in a position that it's not salary. It's not, there's no benefits. There's, um, and so, you know, my insurance is almost as much as my rent a month. And I'm in a position where, you know, I don't know if if I'm going to be able to afford my life. So, you know, I'm pushing my, putting myself out there, getting resumes and getting interviews for places, um, and things that I care about, things that I'm passionate about. So, um, yeah, it's been a little rough, but I'm really committed to, you know, doing the things that are going to make me happy. Um, even though maybe I don't know all of them yet, but I'm going to keep trying. Mm -hmm. How about you? Um, I'm quitting so many things, all the things, uh, quitting all the things, quitting all the things. No, I, so I came to the decision over holiday break to really limit what I decide to do this year. Um, cause I had this habit of saying yes to everything and taking on way too many things just to see where the opportunity leads. And I've gotten to the point where I've stretched myself so thin and I've recognized this as one of my patterns. And when I stretch myself too thin, um, that usually leads to not eating well, not getting enough sleep, uh, and then kind of spiraling down this dark hole that leads to exhaustion and drinking and really, really poor decision making. Mm -hmm. And so um, I realized that just not drinking wasn't going to be enough to really get my head in the right place and get me feeling good about myself and the trajectory of my life. And so I'm, I had to make changes so that I'm focusing on self-care and not neglecting um, my basic needs. So I'm quitting theater which is, ooh, it's weird Um, because I I didn't do theater for a long while between college and probably like 2013. I got back into theater in in late 2013 and essentially found myself again. I'm using air quotes right now. Um, (laughs) 
I, I felt like I found myself because I had taken such a long break from the arts and getting back into theater really threw me into a community of artists that I hadn't had and I had been missing for a while and really got me in touch with my feelings. Um, and that's such like an emo artsy thing to say. My my inner soul came out. Um, But yeah, like theater played such a huge role in me finding myself again. And it's gotten to the point where it's served its purpose in my life. Um, I don't, I never wanted to do it professionally. Um, I never did it for the money. Who does it for the money? (laughs) Who does it? (laughs) That's a joke. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, like I've made the decision to stop my involvement in the two theater organizations that I've been really uh, involved with the past couple years since moving here to the city um, where most of my friends are. Uh, And instead, I'm focusing more on self-care and on my career and on community organization. Yeah. Um, it's funny that you're like coming out of the theater world and I feel like I'm getting pulled in in small ways. Um, I performed last night at this um, kind of grassroots arts collective um, where there's themes of the week and um, any sort of artist can do their interpretation of it. And it was fandom. And if you don't know already, I have a penchant for the X-Files. No. Yes. <laughs> I like it. I love it. Um, I have X-Files tattoos. I have an X-Files shrine in my bedroom, um, which I'm okay with. She's not exaggerating. I'm it not. is a literal... <laughs> Shrine. There's altar candles. <laughs> Four <laughs> arts altar candles. Um, yeah, so I read some fan fiction I wrote when I was 14 um, and very enthusiastic about love. Is that what they called it at 14? Yes. Love or the, making love? Making love. It was a little <laughs> risque. I got heckled by a lesbian. <laughs> I was, she said, there are lesbians here. And I just responded with, I'm gay. Like, I don't know. Oh, man, it was really funny. But it felt the first time I did Salonathon, I did Salonathon a couple a couple months ago. I was so nervous. I was like a nervous wreck. Um, and this time I was just so calm like I was so like ready and excited and I feel like I did really well because I just was ready to do it um and it was really exciting to be like on stage and like performing I don't know I I missed that because I did I did theater in high school um and I forgot how that what that feeling is it's good I like it well you have such a great stage presence um, and I unfortunately wasn't able to go to your first Salonathon performance last year where I guess it was sad. Yeah. I am <laughs> next, next tidbit about me. I have a lot of feelings <laughs> and um, notoriously my writing is very, it's just very serious and it's, I'm exploring the parts of me that are broken and the parts of me that hurt and so that comes up a lot in my writing and my writing is, yeah, it's sad. Um, and yeah, so I, I have this running joke that, and it's been true. Every single reading I've done thus far, I get off stage and someone goes, can I give you a hug? Just like, can I just hug you? I'm so sorry for your life. And I'm like, I know I, I got it. Yep. I live it every day. Let's bring it in, bring it in for a hug. But we've we've talked about this a few times and like I think you're hilarious and yesterday's reading was especially funny and I think you would do really well like 
doing stand not well maybe not stand-up comedy but like com- some sort of comedy yeah like I, I think I could be good at storytelling mm-hmm. I'm a pretty good storyteller like you just have really good energy I mean you definitely have a lot more energy than I have with this podcast <laughs> I'm like halfway asleep and you're just like ah, talking 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 like let me talk about myself boop, 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 boop. um yeah I, <laughs> um I, I think that's something I want to explore. I'm pretty, I think it could be fun. And I think that like, it could be a really great um, kind of balance between using my writing as a tool to kind of explore parts of myself. Cause I mean, I started writing really, I mean, I, I wrote fan fiction, but um, I really started writing because I could say the things that I couldn't say out loud. Mm-hmm. And you know, coming back to my addiction, if we're going to bring this back to like drinking, um, I felt so uncomfortable in my own body and I felt so just disconnected from the world that writing was the one way that I felt like I could get those feelings out. And, you know, like I was the kid in high school that had to go see the the psychiatrist every week just to like check in with me because everyone thought I was going to kill myself. And in college, my I just spent the weekend with my best friend, Maxine. And I love her, but she can be really blunt sometimes. And she, we were talking about them doing drugs. And she said, well, no one would give Alyssa drugs because everyone was afraid she was going to kill herself. And you know, that's who I was for a really long time. And writing was like the one way I would try to to get it out mm-hmm. um, because there's obviously something very, very wrong. Um, but at the same time, that's where my humor comes in too, because a lot of really unfortunate things have happened to me. And the one thing that I can do is laugh about it because what else am I going to do? You, you have to be able to laugh about it. Yeah. Because I can't, I mean, I can write and I think that writing is where I take it seriously, but you know, I, in my, in my life, you know, I like to, to laugh about it because, and it makes, you know, and in some ways it makes me quirky and weird and I have different types of stories to tell. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's definitely a dichotomy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that it could, be, I think it could be really beneficial for me to try to use writing as a tool for like joy. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of just like, can I give you a, can I give you a hug? Well, I look forward to seeing more of your performances. Yes. Get yourself out there, make more friends. Oh, I have to, I have to email that guy about Mortify. Yeah. Because that would be really funny. I think, I think your, uh, your work would fit well with their show. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. I mean, my whole life is just a long, continuous episode of Mortified. <laughs> It's like, what has Alyssa gotten herself into today? Um, did you see that Emma put my picture on the back of her phone? Yeah. <laughs> I have this picture of myself when I was in eighth grade. I took my biological dad's makeup foundation, which was like three shades darker than my skin, went into the bathroom, put it all over my face went and took the picture, had people saying, oh, did you just get back home from um, vacation? I was like, yeah, I just got back. Then went to the bathroom, wiped it all off my face, and then went home thinking that my mother wouldn't know I did this. But my face was like three shades darker than my neck. And so I was basically wearing like low-key blackface in my eighth grade picture. Which my mother wouldn't let me get retaken because she said I did it to myself. (laughs) Yeah. And so your friend Emma somehow acquired the picture and it's now her phone background. (laughs) (laughs) She downloaded it from Facebook. (laughs) My Facebook profile. I love it. It's so funny. But yeah, those are the things where it's like I have to be able to laugh at myself because that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Like what was I thinking? Um. And I just like couldn't get it together for a long time. But 
Uh, so this was a very long roundabout way of saying that we wanted to talk about um, kind of feeling pressured to drink. Yes. I think both of us have experienced this. Peer recently. pressure. Peer pressure. I know that my peer pressure comes sometimes not even. it. Some Sometimes it's what people say and sometimes it's what. I am like telling myself mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Like almost like peer pressuring myself. Um, well, do you want to talk about any recent events where you feel pressure to drink? Um, the most recent have been in like very weird ways. Um, I spent the, I spent the weekend with my best friend, Maxine, who I love completely. Um, And she and her friend Nancy came over and they were drinking and it, they kind of made a passing joke about like me not drinking and they didn't ask me, do you want to drink? Cause they knew that I wasn't, Mm -hmm. but it was like the insinuation that I wasn't, you know, like kind of saying, Oh, well this is not going to drink or, you know, and it's kind of that, Maybe not pressure, but it's like an othering. Mm-hmm. It's like, and, was it necessary to point it out? Yeah. It's like, like everyone already knows this. Fact. It's this way that makes me feel a little bit separate and then makes me pressure myself and mm-hmm. being like, well, Lisa, why don't you just drink, you know, like, and so all of a sudden I'm doing that work to myself as opposed to like someone doing that outwards toward, towards me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at work because obviously my work doesn't really know who I am or they were like, you know, whatever. You don't talk about personal stuff at work. Yeah. Although I did, I think I mentioned this earlier on a podcast. My one coworker is sober too. And I pointed her in the direction of this podcast and she just came up to me one day and was like two story beer bong. Hey girl. Hey. So good. I love it. Um, but yeah, like, cause we'll celebrate something and, Everyone will be passing a drink around. They were like, Elsa, do you want one? I'm like, oh, no, it's okay. They're like, no, you can have one. I'm like, I understand that I can. I just don't want. And then I have to say I don't drink, which mm-hmm. is, you know, this weird taboo thing because all of a sudden you're like a freak. Yeah. I mean, work situations are, I think, the toughest for me um, as well. Like when I made the decision, bleh, when I made the decision to stop drinking, I was very transparent with it with my friends mainly because I knew if I had too many people asking me to drink with them eventually I would say yes uh because I am terrible with peer pressure I am terrible with saying no like I think I mentioned that earlier and so so it's been good because my friends have been very supportive and like know my boundaries and there hasn't been any pressure from them. And so I'm able to go to bars with them and I'm able to go to parties and not feel triggered or feel the need to drink. Um, that hasn't quite been the case with work related events. And by definition, I'm going to say use um any organization that I'm professionally affiliated with, paid or unpaid, um, I'll use the term work uh, when describing it. And and my entire professional career has really kind of been steeped in drinking. Um, networking events have always been a big thing where like we would go to bars and kind of bond after hours. Happy hours are like a, have always been a really big thing in every job I've ever had. Um, and so ironically, the current full time job I have like hasn't really been a happy hour our heavy drinking club per se, but the worst episodes I had in recent um, time has been at work drinking with coworkers. Uh, And so, so I'm actually in charge of planning the happy hour that all of us are supposed to go out to at the end of the month. Great. I signed up for that when I was still drinking (laughs) and I forgot that I did that. And so our HR director came up to me earlier last week and was like, so we have our winter happy hour scheduled for the 27th. Do you have a place locked down for that? And I just kind of looked at her and realized like, oh, I volunteered myself for that. I'm I'm social committee for work and I just was like okay yeah yeah I'll have a place locked down 
soon in in the next few days. I'll I'll, I'll get right on that. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Um, I mean, like we had our winter holiday party at a like really snazzy restaurant, oh, and yeah. they were passing champagne flutes around. Uh, and I was the only one who didn't drink. I actually had to turn my flute upside down so that the people, the servers, wouldn't pour champagne in there because I knew if there was champagne in front of me, yeah. I would drink it. Yeah. Um, and I think it it goes it, like that's why it's important to always have an exit strategy, like always think ahead. Um, so like I went into the holiday party knowing that there would be a champagne toast. So I thought of like all the different ways that I could say no without being really obvious because I don't really want my coworkers to notice that I don't drink because I don't want them to ask questions because I don't want to answer those questions. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it's really none of their business at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, but there was an episode last week that was that actually made me angry. Um, and I was stewing in my anger for a few days after that. Um, it wasn't related to my job job, but it was related to one of the other professional organizations that I'm affiliated with. And we were meeting with a potential partner at a brewery. And so I hadn't been to a brewery since I stopped drinking. Um, most of the places I've been to with alcohol, ha all, with alcohol have been parties or bars, um, but specifically a brewery, um, that wasn't something I've I'd gone to since becoming sober. And so we met at the brewery and already the woman who we were meeting with had like two Manhattans um, that she had ordered and it was like five o'clock. <laughs> Um, it was still pretty early in the afternoon. And and so I knew right off the bat, because like as an alcoholic, you notice stuff like that. Yeah. So I knew off the bat, like, oh, she's going to be a heavy drinker dur during this meeting. Um, and sure enough, like she ordered several more drinks. Um, one of the other women who I worked with was sick. And so she was on antibiotics. So she wasn't drinking either. So I felt a little bit better. Um, and so it wasn't bad until two hours into the meeting when the woman called over one of her friends who worked at the brewery and he offered our table free flights of beer. And so they sat these flights like right in front of me. Cause I was like sitting right in the middle of the table. Um, and they were like, go ahead and try it. It's on the house, like as a thank you for like meeting with us and like listening to our pitch. And I had to tell them like, oh, I'm 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 not drinking. And then they asked why. And so since it was so close to New Year's, like New Year's resolution was such like a really easy mm -hmm. excuse. So I was like, oh, it's just it's my New Year's resolution. I'm, I'm just going to hold off on drinking. And then someone at the table was like oh but their beer is really really good you're gonna be missing out and they started reading the menu like all and and so I I don't know if you knew this but when I was married to my ex-husband he was a craft brewer and he, beer was his hobby and so when we weren't working we would go to wineries and breweries and go beer tasting and basically get wasted on Beer. And so like by 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 respect and by like just going out so many times and trying so many different beers, like that would kind of be my thing. Like I get really into what they were making the beer with, what kind of notes you could taste and the smell and the process. And so they were reading that it was it was a really weird pressure because even though I knew I didn't want to drink, I started craving it um, kind of like you would crave ice cream yeah. or a pizza. Mm -hmm. And then to have someone like read to you these really appetizing sounding ingredients oh, and yeah. having it right in front of you wafting. And I had to finally be like, I have to go. Yeah. Like I, I have another meeting. Luckily, I did have another meeting that I, I was going to be late for if I didn't leave right then. Um, but I like I left. I had to like have a cigarette because I was just like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. Um, and I was just mad because like I couldn't just say no and have them leave it at that. It was like, no, but you really should try it. It's really oh, it's really sad that, you you know, you made your New Year's resolution and like, like you're really missing out. Um 
Isn't it strange that I'm, I'm drawing a parallel to the idea of consent and this notion that we do as a, as a, as a culture that we assume this kind of this public acceptance. Oh, it's everybody does this. This is a fine thing to do. You should do it too. You, you know, and like Mm -hmm. this sweeping up of no, really you'll like it if you do it in the same way that like consent where it's like, Oh no, you'll really like it. And why we feel like we have to insert our, is it more of, we don't want to feel othered ourselves. So to corral everyone else makes mm-hmm. me feel like my my decisions are justified, you know. Um, but at the same time, like I so I, I had like this experience of self-blame, too, because it was like, well, if you weren't going to drink, why were you in a brewery? Mm-hmm. Like if you didn't want to get sexually harassed, why are you why were you wearing that short skirt? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know. This idea that saying that you're sober is a dirty word or, you know, that we have to have some sort of internalized shame about the fact that we don't drink, Mm -hmm. I think is really fucked up and that we're going to spend so much of our time trying to tell other people that it's okay that we don't drink, that it's okay to not do that. And in those ways, like, I kind of understand why some people who are sober choose to only be around other sober people and, you know, call people that drink normies. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I understand that a little bit more. Um, I don't know if I'm willing to do that. I don't think that I am. But I think that those times and those like where you do feel this kind of pressure um, whether or not you do it to yourself, whether or not you insert that f- to your own kind of shame about it or um, it's externalized in the way that, you know, it happened to mm-hmm. you. And I'm almost I'm almost positive that that the group in itself that I was with didn't exert as much pressure as I perceived. Like, I know the woman for sure was egging me on. Um, like, that was definitely true. But I... But she was also probably the drunkest. Yeah. And and I also... I also was very hyper aware from, like, the moment I stepped in and, like, the smell of the hops just, like, hit me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just really angry after that at a lot of different things. I was angry at the woman. I was angry at myself for getting myself into that situation. Um, because I do tend to like push things where I'm like, Oh, well I was okay at this bar. So So I'm going to be be okay at this brewery. And it's like, no, I need to know my limits. And that was my limit. I cannot go to vineyards. I can't go to breweries because it's, it's not just being around alcohol. It's the whole culture Mm -hmm. that brings me back to when drinking started becoming a problem for me. Yeah, exactly. And also, what the fuck are we going to do at a brewery or a winery? You know? <laughs> like, like, no no thanks. I'll just have some water. Do you have sparkling water? <laughs> do you have some cheese? Do like, some- maybe... Maybe I'll like eat some... I'll nibble on some, on some cheese as you like tell me about the pairings of yeah. the beers that I can't have. I like that you're nibbling. I'm just like whole swallowing. <laughs> I'm just... I'm just like shoveling it in. Um, Yeah, I think I don't know if I've I've definitely realized that a limit is when I hang out with Maxine, I can if they're having a party or anything like that, I cannot spend the night. Mm -hmm. I cannot be there. Um, That's just way too much for me. Um, That's kind of the first one that I've seen. You know, I'm really blessed to have friends that are just so understanding and so um, just like really have made me feel super comfortable and super welcome. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I also realized that a lot of them don't just don't really drink a lot which is crazy to me because I got blackout like all the time with them. Turns out I was the only one, only one doing that. Um, so I haven't been put in necessarily a lot of situations. Yeah. I, I definitely 
especially after last week, felt so much more appreciative of my friends because they've they've been so supportive. Um, and and not just that, but I feel like um, I feel like I've gone gotten a lot closer with them, too, since becoming sober. And I think a lot yeah. of it has been because I've been able to be present whenever hanging out with them because I wasn't thinking about what the next drink I was going to have yeah. is. Um, and I remember our conversations, uh, which I think was not true when I was drinking because there would be times where I would drink too much um, and then not be able to recall all the details of hanging out with yeah. those friends. Yeah, I mean, my friend Emma we started as like a drunken hookup at Salonathon. She read a piece that I really liked and proceeded. We proceeded to sleep together and then we slept together for a couple months and I just disappeared on her because that's what I do. Um, well, that's what I did when I was drinking and, you know, we really, we'd see each other. We see each other kind of in passing, um, but not until I came back to um, the city this, you know, in June, where she invited me to come to Salonathon again. Apparently, our 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 lives just kind of revolve around Salonathon. Um, but I went to go see her, and we just were able to connect. Both of us aren't drinking, and. It's been so amazing. It's been so amazing to like actually cultivate a relationship and not have it be fogged by all those other things. And like, I think that I'm so much more appreciative of the friendships that I do have, even the ones that like are people that are drinking. Just I can listen and I can hear. And even the same with my family. You know, when I went home for Christmas, I had been worried about like that whole thing, but I was able to just like see and appreciate and hear my family. And that, was really nice and I felt really happy about being sober and I felt like really good about that choice you know so so here's a question um we're 10 days into the new year and clearly people actually are making new year's res resolutions to either cut down on their drinking or stop drinking um altogether and for those people who are just embarking on that journey uh what advice would you share with them? I would say, you know, if you're looking to cut back, um, really kind of pace yourself or, you know, if you're cutting back, look for things to do that don't involve drinking. Um, look for cool shows or, um, you know, just different things, things that are going to get you out of the bar and into somewhere, into somewhere else. Um, and I think that'll help. I think also finding some sort of ally, like wherever you can, um, which sometimes you can't do. But for me, having someone and maybe just someone who's sympathetic and is like going to just listen to you talk about it. I think that's been the biggest gift to me is just having people there that will listen to me and, you know, validate my feelings and validate my choices. Um, so look for someone like that. And if you don't have that, we have an email, email us, you know, I would love, you know, we're, I'm here to like help and support people in whatever way that I can. Um, but yeah, I think that that is the biggest thing to find. Because if you have one person that you can like be in a situation with with people drinking and you have one person that like gets it and gets you, then you feel instantly better about your choices and you don't feel as isolated. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with having an ally. And even if that person isn't with you, because I mean, like who can actually be with you at all times of the day? Um, I think it helps. Except for me and Faith, because well, we live together. We live together. We so we, yeah, yeah, we're, we're attached to the hip. Um, so like lucky for us, but like, yeah, if you can't be with your sober buddy, all the time like it's still pretty cool to like be in a situation where like 
you choose not to drink because you know you're accountable to somebody else by choice, not because you're forced to, Mm -hmm. but because both of you agreed that you would support each other. Um, So, yeah, definitely having someone in your corner who understands what you're going through um, and also being able to forgive yourself if you do end up drinking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like don't don't put like ridiculous. And I can relate to this because I'm I'm doing the same thing with working out. Okay, like everyone does. We're going to work out. But my sister's getting married in October and. I am not going to be the fat sister. I'm not going to do it. I've been the fat sister for way too long. So, you know, my resolution is to exercise more. And I first was like, I'm going to run every single day. And then I realized that that was a little bit ridiculous. I was like, okay, let's like scale back. So I said I was going to run five times a day. Well, Sunday when I came back from five times a day. Yes. Five times a day for Three days a week. No. <laughs> Five times a week. Um, so when I got back into um, town on Sunday, that was a day I was supposed to run. But Faith and her friend were there. So I didn't. Um, and then today I didn't. And I'm trying to like let myself have this day to not run and be okay with it and not feel um, like I, I failed mm-hmm. or I gave up. Because tomorrow is going to come. And tomorrow I'm going to run and tomorrow I'm going to keep moving forward. So if you drink, you didn't lose. You haven't lost anything. You just get up and try again tomorrow, the next day. And that's okay. Yeah, that was that was my year last year. Um, I actually made the New Year's res- resolution to drink less. And then on New Year's Eve, got trash. Got trash. <laughs> um, and then I was like, I'm going to take a break from drinking. And then two days later, started drinking again. Um, so, yeah, that worked out really well. But I didn't give up on giving up on drinking. Like it took a few times and it took like a lot of trial and error. But... Like if you keep at it, like you learn something new each time. Um, That's what I found when I would take a break. I'd realize like, oh, I could get through shitty evenings without drowning myself in a bottle of wine. Like I could just feel feelings. And so it made it easier as time went on to choose to drink only during happy occasions and then just let myself sit in my mess of stress during stressful situations. Wow, it's good. I drank all through. I like drank all through all that. Any, <laughs> any excuse. I was like, let's get fucked. Let's get fucked. And I, you know, I still like have those feelings, which is str- it's strange when it comes up now. Cause mm-hmm. I'm like, what? Like, I don't know. It's just like something will happen, especially work, like at the end of like a work day for some reason. And this is like coming from the serving world where you got done with a shift and it was like you got liberated from some sort of camp mm-hmm. and like you're like, let's drink. And so we would we would just like take shots of JMO and whatever. So at the end of a work day, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm ready to drink. Like, and it's this feeling. I get it all the time. Well, it's like just you want to reward yourself for a long day of whatever, whether it's like being on your feet all day, dealing with really nasty customers or sitting at your desk staring at a screen. Like you just want to like you want some sort of symbol to say like, hey, job well done. Now you can relax. Instant gratification. Mm -hmm. Diet Coke. I love Diet Coke. Oh, I can definitely drink me some Diet Coke right now. My caffeine addiction is out of this world. It's like I'm addicted to caffeine and I'm addicted to sugar now. And Mm -hmm. it's the worst. But caffeine and sugar don't lead to regrettable decisions. Um, Unless you count ending face first in a box of donuts. (laughs) Not remembering how you got there. <laughs> My okay Cupid profile picture um, was a woman in a bathtub full of donuts and then donuts covering her face. Oh my God. So basically my wet dream. <laughs> I, I, I need to show it to you <laughs> at some point. <laughs> it's really just me. 
That was me like last Friday. You, you I just snuck there. into the bathroom and took a picture. Yeah, of you. you're right. <laughs> okay, keep it. You're like this girl. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, real. It's a real problem. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I know. It just, but it also, I think that those are tricky because those, not caffeine as much, but sugar ends up, you know, affecting you. And, you know, my body issues are, have been mm-hmm. really problematic for most of my life and so that just like doesn't it doesn't do anything good for my life but again you know we ate pizza today I'm going to not I ate pretty well today Mm -hmm. like the whole day so just have to keep like moving forward you know like if you if you eat some pizza if you don't run a day if you have drinks one night like it's okay it's okay it's the next day is going to come and you can try again tomorrow and that's fine. And that's what I'm telling myself and that's what I'm going to tell you all. And it's hard. I, it's fucking so difficult. You know, like it's so much easier to throw those like idiosyncratic things out into the world and be like, oh, blah, blah, blah. But I get it. It sucks mm-hmm. and it's hard and but yeah, you got to just keep tr- telling yourself it until you actually believe it. And then also know that like you are your own person. The only person who knows you is you. And so just because you have a friend who's able to go to a bar and not drink, if you go to a bar and you're trying to quit drinking and you feel really tempted to drink or you do drink every time you go to a bar, then adjust that behavior according to what's comfortable to you. Yeah, definitely. And don't feel bad about saying no. Don't feel like you're ruining everybody's time or that, you know, I think that's also a big thing for me too is I feel bad for my perceived, you know, slight against people. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm not drinking. I'm like making people feel weird. I'm, you know, just gotta let go of that. And it's about getting comfortable. Yeah. And like, we're all stuck in our own heads. And my therapist likes telling this to me when I'm like, I'm afraid to say no, because I don't want to disappoint so-and-so. And she's probably like, you know what? That prop, that person probably doesn't care. Yeah. You can yeah. probably say no to them and leave the room and they won't give a second thought about it. The only person who cares is you. Like we all think we're more important than we actually are. It's true. That is true. My therapist tells me that I'm not allowed to say I'm going to throw myself into traffic anymore. Apparently it's not a good thing to keep repeating in your therapist's office. <laughs> I think they usually flag those statements as troublesome statements. They put you on a list. She goes, Alyssa, you're not allowed to say that anymore. Because anything, I'll be like, well, this isn't going right. So I think I'm just going to throw myself into traffic. She's like, you can't, you can't say that. You're not allowed (laughs) to say that anymore. I'm like, what? Too soon? (laughs) Too soon? Can't say it All right. We'll we'll wait it out. Um, But no, that's really good advice. Yeah, getting we all overthink our own and we're all melodramatic in our own. We're all living our own telenovelas in our head. Yeah. Um, And if someone ends up giving you shit because of your decision and telling you that you're ruining their life or something of that nature, then you don't need to be hanging out with that person. No. And that person probably has some obviously seated issues about their own drinking because only people that are insecure with themselves and their choices point out the things that other people are doing. And it's usually the same fucking shit, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, But again, it's hard because, you know, you want to please people and you want people to like you. Um, And I think drinking has always been the easiest way to get people to like you. It was for me. I started drinking and I was funny and I, you know, I was great. I was a, I was a good time. Y'all are sad that you didn't get to see drunk Alyssa. She was great. Everyone Uh, would always say that when I was drunk, I would open up a lot easier because I tend to like keep people at arm's length, um, which is definitely true. Uh, But whenever I drink, they'd be like, oh, my God, you're so much fun. You're so easy to get to know. And ah." 
Yeah. And it's hard because then you start to identify your drunk self as that self. As your real self. Yeah. And the part and the thing is that you do open up really well. Mm -hmm. You know, you just have to feel comfortable when you're doing it, which is duh. Yeah. And, you know, I realize that I'm funny and I'm charming even without drinking. It just takes me a little bit to feel comfortable, but that's okay. Exactly. I know your real charming self. (laughs) I know. Maxine said something. She was like, Elsa, you flirt with every single person. I'm like, no, I yes, don't. Yes, you do. Oh my God. You should have seen yourself last night. I'm like, I was like glued to my phone screen because I didn't know anybody except for you and like barely Emma. And and then you were just like bouncing around, making new <laughs> friends. Hi, everyone. Let me tell you about my ex-spouse erotica. Oh my God, everyone needed to know about this erotica that was coming. Let it me was... tell you about Mulder's cock. <laughs> the steel of his cock. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the best thing I've ever written. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I, I, you know, it's like I do have a really good personality and it's taken me years and years and years to figure it out. Which my dad was telling me, um, we were talking about how I'm going to be 30 and how I don't feel, I don't feel like emotionally like I'm 30. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, so you've been frozen for a lot of years. And he's totally right. You know, there are years of my life that I just stayed still and I didn't move forward. I didn't necessarily fall back, but like I just was frozen because I was traumatized you know I was I was traumatized and so it's taken me so long and I finally feel like I'm unfreezing myself and I feel like I'm moving in a direction that's not just you know because I was moving in a direction right after I broke up with Lexi but then that direction got just completely inundated with alcohol Mm -hmm. just and so now I like I've been wrung out (laughs) and I'm finally starting to realize those things about myself. Like I never believed them. I never really got it. But I think that's another, I always try to find like gifts of sobriety. Mm -hmm. I think that it helps me feel more appreciative of it instead of sobriety feeling like a death sentence or like this, like, you know this trudge that you have to make so trying to find like the gifts in sobriety and so I think a gift in sobriety has been discovering my personality more and trusting it because people would tell me but I actually start to believe it and that's really cool Mm -hmm. yeah for me like the gift in sobriety is really starting to be able to accept that I'm not always in control of things um Knowing that I can't necessarily be friends with everybody uh, and I shouldn't force it. Like if I meet somebody and we're just not hitting it off, that's fine. Like there's so many other people in the world and they could be a good person. I think I'm a good person, um, but we're just not good together. Mm -hmm. And so then we just move on and find our little niches and where we do fit in and where we do feel the most comfortable. Yeah. And if I may speak to this current election political world, something I really liked that Obama said tonight was that we can't just stay in our niches and we can't just stay surrounded by the people that agree with us. And we have to see, we have to try to find a common place between people that we don't, necessarily see as people that would understand Mm -hmm. so like his big his big comparison which I think is very fitting because I feel like anybody who's not a white middle-aged man or white male straight heterosexual male I feel like anybody who's a minority feels like they can't relate to that person at all um but trying to find places where you can you know he's experienced loss he you know he could have experienced bullying. You know, there are things that he could have gone through and those are things that you can relate on. And those are things that you can, you know, try to find some sort of level ground 
And I think that's really hard. Finding mm-hmm. empathy for people is incredibly difficult. But I think it's something that we all need to do. Mm-hmm. Instead of demonizing the other side, because because de- the other side is just demonizing us, you know, like, and that gives, that accomplishes nothing. Yeah. Um, so trying to be empathetic and trying to understand where someone's coming from so you can more easily navigate the conversation but always we always take it back to politics i know or hamilton (laughs) which is like politics which faith got to see hamilton yeah did i tell you about how like the reason why i ended up with that ticket yeah, because the, the, you brought you had your whole office listen to yeah. Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The place I used to work before my current workplace, um, that was when I was introduced to Hamilton and I made my boss and like everyone around me listen to it. And so um, one of them remembered. And so she ended up getting group tickets for like all of her family and friends. And then she had an extra one. She was like, well, you got me into Hamilton. So here you go. Uh, but yeah. It was a good show. I cried. I'm going to cry. I got my friend Emma, who I'm talking, I talked, she's going to be a guest on the show, on the podcast. I told her that I want her to be on it because she's awesome, super rad. Um, But her aunt got her tickets or is getting her tickets. And she asked me if if I would go with her. And, um, I almost cried in the middle of the movie theater where we went to go see Moana, which was my second time. How many times have I seen it right now? Uh, three. I'm, I'm really open about it. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of it. I love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she's, she's going to take me and I'm so excited. I can't believe it. It's going to be amazing. You'll cry and squeal through the entire thing. I guarantee. I'm going to have to like really train myself to not sing the entire, entire play with them (laughs) because I probably will get kicked out. (laughs) Ridiculous. All right. Well, I think we're ready to wrap up. Yeah. So lesson learned as always, know your boundaries. Know your boundaries. And have an exit strategy. Yes. I think had I gone in there and thought, gone into the brewery and thought out like all the possible things that could happen. And like if I would have thought like, oh, that was going to happen where they would put a flight of all their beers right in front of me and then read the menu. I would have had an exit strategy way before that. Um, And so, yeah, always imagine the worst possible scenario. And even if it's if you're in a place where you can't necessarily just like leave, leave. You know, tell a friend that you're going to be going somewhere and you might need to like text them. And so just being able to text somebody, I did that a lot where, you know, I'd be in a situation where I couldn't really help the situation circumstances. So I just was texting someone and just had someone to talk to. Um, That's really helpful, too. So even if it's just like a mental exit strategy, Mm -hmm. have one. Yeah. And. It's not ridiculous. It's just practical and Mm -hmm. it'll make you feel better. I promise. Know yourself. Yes. Know thyself. Okay. Well, have a good week and we will see you, not see you, because we don't see any of you. You. I'm going to stop. It's going to be, it's going to be a, a good um, episode next episode because it'll be next, next Friday, I think. Um, will be the anniversary of my year of going into the hospital. Yay! So that it's going to be a big deal. A w- one year out, one year of survival. One year of survival. So we'll have lots to talk about then. Right. Yeah. Until next week. Until next week. Stay sober. Bye. Bye.